A massive welcome for those that I've ne- not met before. My name is Pete. Um, together my wife, B, we lead the church here. So massive welcome to you. Um, we're in a teaching series entitled Come Holy Spirit. Um, this is, I think, part four. So week one was we looked at the person of the Spirit. Week two, the work of the Spirit. Week three, which is last week, how to host the presence of the Spirit. This week, we're getting practical. It's going to be more workshoppy. You are going to be involved, um, which is uh, looking at the prophetic. Next week, there's going to be a break. Um, just one 4 p.m. service. Pete Portal, a good friend of mine from South Africa, an incredible teacher. He's going to be speaking, so we're pumped about that. The week after, Kath and Emma are going to get practical again. We're going to talk about the gift of healing, um, and then we're going to celebrate Pentecost. Does that sound exciting? Yes. Um, so let's look at the prophetic. There's three groups that I have in the back of my mind as I, um, I prepared this. Group number one, that maybe some of you grew up in churches like KXC. <clears throat> where speaking prophetic words over one another, receiving prophetic words, that was fairly familiar. It didn't freak you out. You're used to this kind of stuff. Um, but maybe no one gave you a theological foundation for the stuff that you practice. It's very common when people grow up in the church that they develop the practices, but maybe they weren't given the theological foundations um, that support these practices. So my hope is, if that's you, this will just affirm what you already believe. Second group in the back of my mind, those that grew up in different types of churches, that, that speaking prophetic words wasn't normal. And you've come to KXC and you've seen in our services that we sometimes create space for it, and you feel slightly anxious and you've got loads of questions, theological questions and other questions. Um, And my hope is that this will provide a bit of a foundation that can normalize and demystify hearing the voice of God and the gift of prophecy. And then there'll be others in the room uh, that maybe you're very new to faith or maybe you don't have faith in Jesus. You've walked in off the street, intrigued about church, about this person called Jesus. And the idea that he's alive today, that he speaks to his people, that's weird and slightly cool. And and you're curious. My hope is that this will sort of like tap into that curiosity and and begin a a stirring of a desire to hear more of the voice of God because he wants to speak to you because he loves you that much. So that's the journey we're going to be on. Um, If you've got a Bible, do you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14? This is the text we're going to look at. This is Paul teaching a church in northern Greece or in Greece, Corinth, and he's teaching about the gifts of the Spirit. He's going to zoom in on prophecy. I want to name one thing about the context. That essentially in Corinth, there's been an abuse of the spiritual gifts. They're using these gifts for the wrong purposes to build themselves up, not the church up, to make themselves great, not to celebrate the work of the kingdom of God. And Paul steps in, and I, I want you to observe this, that his solution to the misuse of the gifts isn't the disuse of the gifts. That's often how the church responds and when there's mess. There's a misuse, an abuse of the gifts, and the church steps in and be like, okay, when there's a misuse, we're going to ban them now. And, and no one's going to prophesy, no one's going to speak in tongues, we're not going to pray for healing. Um, the solution is disuse. Paul doesn't go down that track. He says there's a misuse of the gifts. The solution isn't disuse. It's actually the proper use of the gifts of the Spirit. So we're going to look at some of the parameters um, through which we can, in a safe environment, learn to hear the voice of God together. So let's start reading. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Paul says, follow the way of love. It's a good start, right? Follow the way of love. Follow the way of Jesus, because God is love. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. I I want you to notice the language there. Like eagerly desire, like yearn for it, long for it. 
Like no space here for apathy. No, I can't really be bothered. I'd do that if I have time. No, Paul says like, like chase after it. Eagerly desire these gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. This is what Ben spoke about last week, that the gift of tongues is the one gift in the list that actually is given to build us up. All of the other gifts are about building up the church, equipping us to serve God's purposes in the world. But the gift of tongues is about edifying us, building us up, right? That's a beautiful thing. Who doesn't want to be strengthened in their faith? So anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Beautiful. So what we're going to look at, we're going to look at the why of the prophetic, the how of the prophetic, and then we're going to get practical and give it a go. Let me start with the why. Here's four reasons why I think we should eagerly desire um, the gift of prophecy. Number one, because the words of God bring life. Right, so if you've read this, this book, and I hope you have, it's uh, an incredible story of God in pursuit of humanity. The beginning of the story is God speaking and the world comes into being. Right, God says, let there be light, and there was So when God speaks, he acts. We regularly say this at KXC, that you cannot separate the spoken word of God from that which it accomplishes. It says in the scriptures that the word of the Lord never returns to him empty. It always accomplishes that which he intended to accomplish. So when God speaks, he acts and his words bring life. Who wants more of the activity of heaven, the activity of the kingdom in their life? Like I know I do, and that's part of the gift of prophecy. God speaks into our lives in such a way that it brings about kingdom activity. Number two then, the words of God, they lead and direct us. So perhaps the best known of all the Psalms, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And what does God do as a shepherd? He leads us to still waters, to green pastures where he restores our soul. Now this psalm is perhaps the best known as as I've said. Now imagine in the first century, you've seen this Jesus figure, this rabbi burst onto the scene and he makes some unbelievable claims to be God incarnate, God amongst them, God in human flesh. He even says, I am the good shepherd. Because the the Jewish people were waiting for God to come as a shepherd to lead them to the green pastures, the still waters, to restore their soul. Jesus says, look, I am that good shepherd and I am going to lead you to this wide open space, life in the kingdom of God. And when he begins to explain how he's going to do that, part of how God is going to lead us to this wide expanse, Jesus says, my sheep, they know the sound of my voice. Now, it's it's kind of a shepherding metaphor. Everyone knew in those days that a shepherd would have a distinctive whistle. They would sort of like whistle a tune. And the the sheep would be like, oh, that's my shepherd. I'm going in this direction. I recognize the tune. And Jesus is saying, my sheep, those that follow after me, they know the sound of my voice and they follow. Now, in a room like this, 200 people, my hunch is there'll be quite a number in the room that you are longing for direction in your life. Like you are longing for a sense of guidance. Some of you might be in panic mode and you're trying to find wisdom and gurus and sages, um, anyone that's got something meaningful to say about direction and destiny. And I want you to know that God wants to speak to you. 
He, he has words that will lead and direct you to the place where your soul is deeply, deeply replenished. He's consistently speaking. Are we creating space to listen? Listen to these words, Isaiah chapter 30. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel um, as he leads them to the, the promised land. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Like some of us are listening really hard to the wrong people and we're getting really bad advice and our lives are spiraling out of control. Do you know that God is speaking? And if you tune in to hear his voice, he'll be saying, this is the way, the way of the kingdom. This is the way, walk in it. Like how many of you long for that kind of direction, wisdom from above, not from below? Well, God wants to speak. That's incredible news. Thirdly then, um, the prophetic gift is a gift that strengthens, encourages and comforts God's people. Like, are there moments in your life, and the answer will be yes, by the way, just help me out, um, where you feel really weak, in touch with your own vulnerability and fragility. And there's moments where in your weakness, it's like you, you want to find strength. You want to be strengthened. Now, you can try and summon up strength from within, and you can do that in a moment, right? But, but normally that will fade. You won't find a sustainable way of doing that. Do you know that God wants to strengthen you? Strength from above. And often he'll speak a word, a prophetic word, that it feels like that you discover this power that is made perfect in weakness as God speaks and strengthens your innermost being. There's moments where I'm in, in, in crisis, in, in vulnerability and weakness. I'm, Lord, Lord, would you speak, strengthen me by your spirit to strengthen us, to encourage us. Do you ever feel discouraged? Like just lacking courage, lacking boldness. This is one of the functions of the prophetic when God speaks into your life in such a way that it stirs up courage. That's what the gift of encouragement does. It puts courage back in you. Courage from above that helps us to live um, the Jesus life together. It strengthens, it encourages and it comforts us. When we're hurting, like where do you go when you're hurting most? Like who, who do you go to? Do you, do you go to the wrong places? Like do you turn to drink? Are there other addictions that you turn to? Are there certain people you turn to? The invitation of the Spirit is, is to come to me. Like he describes himself as a counsellor, a comforter, an advocate. That actually when we turn to the Spirit, he begins to speak in such a way where we experience divine comfort. This is more than just the arm around a shoulder of a mate. That's nice, right? When you're feeling in that place um, and someone just puts an arm around your shoulder and comforts you, that's amazing. What about a divine arm around you? Like that's divine comfort, comfort from above, the prophetic functions like that. Now for all of those reasons, and let me add one more um, from 1 Corinthians 14, the second half of the, the passage. Paul speaks about the gift of the prophetic um, functioning outside the walls of the church. Like when God speaks to the hearts of those that don't know him and the prophetic in those moments functions as an invitation into a relationship with the God who knows you, made you, loves you, and has incredible plans for your life. Like it's not just for us, it's for those out there like summoning them, welcoming them into a relationship with God. For all these reasons, you can understand why Paul would say like eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Like not just for your sake, it will bring you to life, it will edify the church, but it will bring culture to life as they hear the word of God. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts for the sake of the world, especially the gift of prophecy. So that's the why. Um, secondly, I want to look at the how. How does God speak? And our starting point has to be that ultimately God speaks through Scripture. 
Like we submit ourselves to scripture, that scripture is our highest authority beyond reason, beyond experience. We believe that God's vision for human flourishing surpasses any human vision that we might summon up in our own strength or in what we see as wisdom. Um, that the scriptures contain everything necessary for salvation, everything necessary for doctrine, ethics, um, you know, walking the way of Jesus. So we need to be daily feeding on scripture. Like in scripture, you will find Jesus and in Jesus, you'll find life, right? So Martin Luther, the Reformation theologian, he described the scriptures as the manger in which we find Jesus. You remember the Christmas story that the shepherds and the wise men, they they make a long journey and they eventually find Jesus like in cloths lying in a manger and they bow down and worship him. Martin Luther was basically saying, this is the search that we should be on and the search will be in scripture and in scripture we will find Jesus. The scripture is like the manger and when we find Jesus, we will bow down and worship him because he's the true king and in him there is eternal life. So we find Jesus here and Jesus brings life. This should be our daily bread. Think of the story of Jesus in the wilderness where the enemy tempts him. Go on, you know, use your powers to satisfy your own needs. Tell that stone to become bread. And Jesus says, like, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, yes, we need food to sustain us, but this is what spiritually sustains us, the words of eternal life. So when Jesus teaches his followers how to pray, and he says, you are to pray, like, give us this day our daily bread. That's more than just a prayer of, like, provision. God, would you provide for our material needs? It's basically, Lord, may we find in scriptures, like, living words to sustain us along the journey. The implication, right, is that every day we'll be in the scriptures. Like, every day feeding on the scriptures. Like, this is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Anyone know that song? That was an awkward moment, wasn't it? There we go. Lovely song. If you have no idea what was going on just then, Spotify it later. Beautiful song. Um, so ultimately, God speaks through scriptures. Now, some people would stop there and would say God only speaks through scripture. In other words, the prophetic, hearing the voice of God as I've been sort of talking about it, like all of that, that was for the early church. Now, theologians call this group cessationists or dispensationists. If you're struggling to sleep tonight, Google that and start reading. Um, but cessationists, dispensationists would basically say in the early church, there was a power surge of the spirit. They were given these gifts of the spirit to get the church going. But around sort of like the turn of the, the fourth, fifth century, um, a group of theologians, Augustine and others, gathered together to, de- to sort of basically decide which book should be in our scriptures, the scriptures as we have it. Um, and they essentially closed the canon of scripture and said look this these are the books um, that are essentially the scriptures the revealed word of God and and the cessationists would basically say beyond that point the closing of the canon of scripture like God stopped speaking then so you had the power surge the signs and the wonders the gift of prophecy the gift of tongues the gift of healing and then at the closing of the canon of scripture um, they came to an end at that point right Um, and I've got so much respect Um, for the conservative evangelical church. So many of my brothers and sisters would actually believe that stuff. And there's so much that we can learn from the conservative evangelical part of the family of God, the bride of Christ, right? Their passion for truth and and for the scriptures, you know, the centrality of Jesus, the centrality of, of the cross. I love that part of the family. But I want you to know that I fundamentally disagree with cessationist teaching, right? I fully, fully disagree. And I want to explain why. So I've got three reasons why I disagree with the teaching. The first two aren't 
massively important, but they're interesting for me. And the third one is actually really important. So let me just do the first two then. Um, Because I believe it's experientially flawed. Let me explain that. So my dad um, was a vicar. Um, He trained like over 50 years ago. Um, Before he went to theological college and started training, um, he spent a couple of, um, I think it was weeks, maybe a few more weeks than that, um, in Africa working for the church there. And during that time, he saw the signs and wonders of the kingdom of God. He saw blind eyes open. And, and people beginning to see. He saw deaf ears open. They could begin to hear. He, he saw the prophetic flowing and the gifts of the Spirit. And then he rocks up a few weeks later to theological college. They start studying the New Testament. And one of his lecturers, a cessationist, basically said, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. It was a power surge to get the church going. Um, but around the 4th, 5th century, we had the full canon of Scripture, everything necessary for salvation. And after that, the gifts basically sort of ran dry. We don't have them anymore. Um, And that was a problem for my dad, right? It's like, um, hang on a minute. Like, I've just seen blind people seeing. I've seen deaf people able to hear again. I've seen the gift of prophecy flowing in such a way that it was edifying the church. I either swallow your theology and deny my own experience, or I have to be true to what I actually saw and question the theology. And he actually began to question the theology and went on his own journey. But it would be true for me. I've seen people experience physical, emotional, spiritual healing. I've seen the gift of prophecy. I've received that gift in my own life. I couldn't deny the experience, the journey I've been on. So for me, experientially, it's flawed. Secondly, it's philosophically flawed. The idea that the God who the story opens and he's walking and talking, talking, speaking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, the end of the story, Revelation 21, 22, as God makes his dwelling place with humanity once more, heaven and earth become one. God is walking and talking with humanity once more. The middle of the story, um, God incarnate, Jesus Christ is walking and talking with his followers, saying, my sheep know the sound of my voice. Right the way through the Old Testament, God is speaking through the prophets, through the New Testament, he's speaking through the Spirit. The idea that in around the 4th, 5th century, he stopped speaking. That's crazy to me. The God who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The idea that around the fifth century is like, okay, I've said everything I need to say. You've got the book now. All the best. See you when I return. Um, Makes no sense to me. Like, God's a God of relationship. Exists in relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, how do you build relationship? The answer is you talk. Like, how, how do you grow in love in a relationship? The answer is communication. You keep talking. God is consistently speaking to his people. I don't believe he stopped speaking around the fifth century. Um, so finally, let's look at it's theologically or biblically flawed. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8. So this is Paul again. Remember what he's doing. There's been a misuse of the gifts, an abuse of the gifts. He's saying the solution isn't disuse. It's proper use. So he's going to speak in. He says this in verse 8, chapter 13. Love never fails. That's beautiful. Let's just let that sink in. Love never fails. God is love. God never fails. We were singing earlier, he's faithful. Some of you just need to hear that. God is faithful. He will never, ever let you down. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. 
So Paul is saying there will be a moment when prophecies come to an end, when the gift of tongues, that, that will come to an end. These gifts of the Spirit, there will be a moment when we don't operate in the gifts anymore. And that moment will be when completeness comes, which should raise the question, what is Paul talking about when, it comes, when he's talking about completeness? So let's keep reading. He says, when I was a child, I taught like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, and again, I just want you to notice Paul contrasting now and then. Now and then. I'll I'll emphasize it, you'll get the point. For now, we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now, I know in part, then, you get in the point, I shall know fully, even as I am fully known, and now, that was the big now, very dramatic. Um, Now then, now then, what is he comparing? Now, which is our current experience, then is when completeness comes. And, And notice what he's talking about when he talks about completeness. That completeness is a reference to when we see Jesus face to face. And when that happens, we will fully know and we will be fully known. Now, is that a reference to like fourth, fifth century, these councils that described and and sort of articulated the closing of the canon of scripture? That's no, by the way. Um, Like Paul's talking about the return of Jesus Christ. Like when he returns, like we will see him face to face. We will know him, we'll be fully known. The implication is like now we need the gifts of the Spirit. Which is why in the next verse, chapter 14, verse 1, he follows that and says, follow the way of love, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. Like then, you you won't need to hear the voice of God because you'll be talking to him face to face. You won't need the gift of tongues because you'll be able to articulate the depths of your heart in his presence. We won't need the gift of healing because there'll be no death, no grief, no crying, no pain. There'll be no sin, no sickness, no suffering. Everything will be made new. That's then, now, eagerly desire them, especially the gift of prophecy. He wants you to know his voice. His words bring life. They lead and direct. They strengthen, encourage and comfort. They invite people outside of relationship into relationship with the Father who brings life. You, you get the point why Jesus is saying, now eagerly desire them. Eagerly desire them. So we've looked at the why. We've looked briefly at the how. Let's get really practical Um, How do we develop this sort of like relationship where we lean in to hear the voice of our Father through the gift of of prophecy? Um, Number one then, there's three stages I would say to the prophetic, revelation, interpretation, application. Revelation, interpretation, application. For the four of you making notes, just write it down. You can come to it later. So number one is, is revelation, that God speaks through the faculties that he's given us, which is a beautiful thing, right? Through our imaginations. Like he gave us an imagination. It's remarkable that he would want to use the gift that he's given us to speak, right? That would make sense. He's given us senses. So it makes sense that he would use the gifts that he's given us to speak to us and speak through us. I would say that the way God speaks is so natural that most people dismiss it and think it's just their own inner thought life. 
But actually God speaks in such a way that as, as you begin to discern his voice, you're like, wow, that was so natural. I dismissed it, but now I'm realizing it's actually supernatural. That he's using our senses, our imaginations, our thoughts um, to speak his heart to us. So let me just share some stories because I think stories maybe illustrate what this actually looks like. That it's less of the hear ye, hear ye, thus saith unto thee, and then download. Um, it's far more subtle than that. So let me give you this story. A few years ago, I was speaking at a conference in Austria, and it was the Alpha Weekend, which is the Holy Spirit Weekend, where you essentially look at the gifts of the Spirit, and you're asking the question, is it possible to experience God, not just intellectually, but experientially, through His Spirit at work in your life? Um, And we'd done a whole weekend with about 100 church leaders and people in the congregations. Um, But there was about 20 teenagers that had been dragged along by their parents. And the guy hosting the conference, Lorenz, basically came to me and said, Pete, look, there's 20 teenagers. They don't want to be here. Like, mum and dad dragged them along. Um, Is there any chance you could do a talk that might be mildly interesting um, to the teenagers? I know you're here to speak to the adults, but is there, like, a talk you can give to the teenagers? So I had a quick think. Like, what talk do I have that I could sort of, like, give that would be mildly interesting? to the teenagers. I thought, I could do this a sex talk. That's always interesting to teenagers. Or, or I could speak about hearing the voice of God. I think that's quite intriguing as well. Sex talk, hearing the voice of God. Well, I'm here to do this thing on the, the, the hearing the voice of God. Let's go with that one. Um, so met up with these teenagers. And there's about five of us um, from the UK on the team. And I said basically to the teenagers, I'm going to talk to you for 10 minutes, really short, about hearing the voice of God. We believe that God speaks to us today, ultimately through scripture, but also through the gift of prophecy. I'm going to give you a 10 minute intro and then we're going to practice and listen together. Um, And it was a tough crowd, like teenagers, not massively interested. So I did 10 minutes. It was tough work. Um, I was thinking, gosh, I should have done the sex talk. Oh, well, and just kept on going. At the end of 10 minutes, um, I said, look, what we're going to do now, we're going to be still. And there's a team of five of us. We're going to listen. Um, just have a minute in stillness. We're going to ask God to speak some prophetic words that would strengthen, encourage, and comfort people in the room. So um, we had a minute of silence. I prayed, God, would you come and speak to us? And, and then there was just stillness. And during that minute, I was like begging God, please speak. Like, I will do anything you ask of me. Just do not humiliate me in this moment. Please speak to your people. Wish I'd done the sex talk. Um, so... We were just waiting and, and listening. Um, and at the end of the minute, I just looked at the, the team. I said, look, anyone sense anything that God would want to speak to people in the room? Like, anyone? Like, now? Um, and then there's this one guy from the, the team, Rainer. And he went first, and he just looked right to the back of the room. And he was just like, I just think there's someone here that you've got a maths exam this coming week. Um, and God wants you to know that he's going to be with you as you go into the maths exam. And, and as he said that, my heart sank. I was like, oh, Raina, you've gone way too specific. Like, a picture about a bowl of fruit and people being fruitful. I mean, that would have been, like, start vague, draw people in. Like, a picture of a shower and God wanting to shower blessings on his people. Like, you start really nondescript and then work your way in. Raina, you've really overshot there. So I was, I was panicking. And, and then from the back of the room, this teenager, sort of 16 maybe years old, like, big, big lad, suddenly shouted out and he said, who told you about the maths exam? <laughs> um, and there wasn't actually laughter. The place went really quiet and it became emotionally charged because this guy was being fairly confrontational. Who told you about the maths exam? And I was like, oh gosh, this is a bit awkward. Um, so I spoke up and I was like, oh, you know, you know that like 10 minute introduction to the gift of prophecy that I gave that no one was actually listening to? 
um, well, we believe that God speaks through scripture, but also through this gift of prophecy. And, and then got Rainer to explain that he just had a vision of a kid going into a maths exam and just with the sense of God saying, I'm going to go with you. So he kind of shared it. Um, and suddenly these teenagers that weren't engaged at all, all of them are leaning in super intrigued and the team starts sharing other words and people start saying yeah that's me and we start praying for people in the room and then Raina goes to the back of the room and just starts speaking to this teenager who's totally perplexed like mesmerized by what's going on anyway at the end of the session the kids basically say to their mums and dads we want to join you for the final evening session like we want to be in the room like God's doing something we're really inquisitive can we join you so the final session was all the adults all the young people and we have some worship some teaching we create space we invite the spirit to come and then God starts to move and as I walk around the the ministry time I spot in the corner of the room that teenage kid that 16 year old boy weeping in the corner and Lorenz comes running up to me and says can you see what's happening can you see what's happening and I said I know I'm so sorry is he offended like what just thinking it might be an awkward thing and Lorenz was like no he's experiencing the love of the father because it's by the Spirit that the love of the Father is poured into our hearts. He's, he's being filled with the Spirit. He's just given his life to Jesus. I was like, no way, that's amazing. And Lorenz, who's super animated, he's, he's like a kid, so excited. He's like, can I tell you the story? That kid has been through such struggle. This last week at school, he climbed up onto one of the buildings at the school. He jumped off the building trying to end his life. Miraculously, he didn't die. He actually didn't break any bones in his body. His mum and dad have been panicked worried sick about him they've tried therapy they've tried everything they basically said let's just bring him to the alpha weekend and pray to God that he meets the spirit and he's at the back of the room being filled with the love of the father giving his life to Jesus isn't that amazing right that's amazing can you see why Paul would say eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit especially the gift of prophecy and it it took Rainer in a really gutsy way to say look I could be wrong here but I had a picture of a kid going into mass exam and, and God wants you to know he's going to go with you. And for someone at the back of the room who was terrified about a mass exam to think God knows that and he knows me and he wants relationship. That's the power of the prophetic word. Let me give you another story. The church that I used to be a part of, um, that B and I, when we first got married, we were based there. And one of our friends was telling us this story. She's one of the pastors there. And there was a a girl in the church called Rihanna. And Rihanna had cancer. um, And the church had been praying for healing. Um, But during that season of getting prayer, she had a really random dream one night. In this dream, she went to a Christian bookshop. um, She bought this Bible. Um, She opened up the Bible and on the front page she wrote James B. Um, In the dream she then wrapped it up as a present and put it in her bag and just waited for the right opportunity to give the present to someone. She woke up the next morning, phoned my friend, the pastor, and said, look, I've had this crazy dream. Explained the dream, said, I honestly don't know what to do with it. My friend, pastor, said, you've got two options really. You basically dismiss it as maybe the cheese from the night before or a glass of wine that you had and it, you just had some random dreams. Or God was actually speaking. Um, and if it was God, what I would do is I'd go to the bookshop, I'd buy the Bible, I'd write James B in it, I'd wrap it as a present and then just carry it around with you. And what have you got to lose you know, if you've got it wrong? 
So she did all of that. She went and bought the Bible, wrote James B, wrapped it up and just carried it around in her bag. Anyway, a few weeks later, she went to a specialist consultant. They'd feared that the cancer had been deteriorating. She went with her doctor, Dr. Patel, to see a specialist consultant called Dr. Bradshaw. Um, and they spent a morning doing tests, then had a break. And then the back end of the morning, they had to do some more tests. And then they sat down as a three. And Dr. Bradshaw, the consultant, said to um, Dr. Patel and to Rihanna, I said, look, I've done the tests looking at, you know, the cancer. Um, they didn't make any sense, so I actually had to redo all the tests. And I've looked at the results again, and, and I'm really sorry, but I, I cannot explain this to you, but there is no trace of the cancer in your body. At that point, Rihanna, like, erupts. You know, a huge excitement. She's like, I can explain it to you. Like, my church has been praying for healing, and I believe that God has stepped in. He's brought healing to my life. He's flushed the cancer from my system. At that point, Dr. Patel chips in and says, like, you're a Christian. Like, I'm a Christian too. He had a really high-pitched voice. I'm a Christian too. Um, and they're having this moment. Um, and then Dr. Bradshaw chips in and says, look, this is just super weird. I, I don't believe in God whatsoever. But a few months ago, something similar happened to me. Um, someone, the cancer had gone. They said they thought God had healed them. And I remember driving home that night thinking, God, I don't believe you, but if you are out there, make it happen again. I'll at least listen. Now, at that point, Rihanna just suddenly came across you know, her mind and said, look, Dr. Bradshaw, can I ask a question? Like, what's your full name? He said, well, my, my name is James Bradshaw. She's like, oh, I think I've got a gift for you. And reaches into her bag and gives this present, he unwraps it, it's a Bible, he's probably disappointed, um, and she says, open it up, and she opens it up, and it says, James B, and she explains the whole story of the dream, and basically says, like, I don't really understand all this, but my hunch is that God is inviting you into a relationship with him, he knows you, he loves you, he wants a relationship, now, he didn't respond in that moment, I don't know how the story ends, but isn't that an unbelievable story, right, I, I love it for so many reasons, God's power to heal someone of cancer, that's incredible. But more than that, God's power to speak through the prophetic in such a way that inviting people into relationship with him. She could have dismissed the dream, right? She could have dismissed the dream. It would have been so easy. Jesus said, my sheep know the sound of my voice. And they're willing to obey. So the first stage is, is revelation, just God speaking through our senses. Um, but there's two rules I want to mention briefly when it comes to the stage of revelation. Number one, we prophesy in proportion to our faith. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 6. We prophesy in proportion to our faith. In other words, that when God speaks and we share the stories, like these are testimonies, they build faith. Of like, God, you do speak. And when you speak, it brings life. Like what you celebrate, you propagate. So we want to celebrate stories of God speaking and faith levels rise and the more we practice this gift and the more we hear stories of God moving faith begins to rise and Paul says we prophesy in proportion to our faith so we should be telling the stories we should be taking the risks like trying to to learn to hear the voice of the father because his words bring life so let's practice keep practice keep practicing um, as we grow in this gift faith is like a, a muscle The more you exercise the gift, the stronger the muscle becomes. Um, Rule number two then. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9, we read it earlier, that we know in part and that we prophesy in part. So imagine the prophetic like on a spectrum. Over here is, is what we know to be true because we know people, you know, in relationship with them. And over here is stuff that we could never know. It's like divine revelation. Like it goes beyond our ability to know about someone. And when we prophesy, we're we're somewhere on that spectrum, which means we prophesy with incredible humility. 
We don't say, you know, the Lord saith unto thee and bosh. You know, when we speak prophetic words, we say, look, I I could be wrong because I'm growing in this gift, but my sense is, and I leave you to discern, my sense is the Father would want to say this over you, right? And you offer it with real humility. And if what you're offering would strengthen, encourage, and comfort, if you've got it wrong, well, what, what harm's done, right? You've probably just said something really nice that would strengthen, encourage, and comfort. If it's more than that, and it's divine revelation, something you could never know, well, then suddenly God's beginning to speak and act in a way that brings beautiful kingdom life. We know in part, and we prophesy in part, and therefore we prophesy with great humility. So revelation stage one. Stage two, interpretation. Um, listen to this from Numbers chapter 12, verse six. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So the implication there is if you're not Moses, which is I think most of us in the room, if you're not Moses, that God does speak in visions and dreams, but sometimes it will be unclear Sometimes it will feel like a riddle and therefore it needs interpretation, right? So God might give you a picture and you don't fully understand the picture, but as you speak out, who knows, maybe someone else in the room has an interpretation of that picture and suddenly God is beginning to speak. Often that will happen. In other words, we need one another in the body. So if you get a revelation, you don't know what it means, and you just go solo from that point on, say, God, thanks for the revelation, I'll take it from here. And you just interpret it yourself, you're you're on dangerous ground at that point, right? If you don't know the interpretation, just say what you see, say what you sensed, and maybe God will actually use someone else to offer some sort of interpretation. So there's revelation, there's interpretation. We're coming into land. Finally, application. In other words, when you receive a prophetic word, prophetic words need to be weighed, right? Because we prophesy in proportion to our faith, and we know in part, and we prophesy in part, and therefore we get it wrong. We're human. We get it wrong, right? That's fine if we're in a community of grace where we're learning together. So here's four rules to help you sort of like apply and discern, is God speaking to you when someone offers a prophetic word? Number one, does it support scripture? This is really important. God would never speak in such a way that contradicts his ultimate written authority and the scriptures we have in front of us. So does it support what the scriptures say? Number one. Number two, does it strengthen, encourage, or comfort you? If a prophetic word stirs up shame, leaves you feeling condemned or or racked with guilt, I want to strongly suggest God wasn't speaking. Now, God might speak through the Spirit in such a way that convicts us of guilt, um, but that will be a process of repentance that's that's life-giving as we're turning back to the Father. If you feel shame, guilt, condemnation, it is not God, right? There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Um, so does it strengthen, encourage, or comfort you? Um, number three, does it fit your circumstances? Like you've been given common sense, so use it when you're weighing up a prophetic word. If someone gives you a word and it just doesn't fit where you're at in life and what God's doing in your life, like don't do some sort of gymnastical thing and try and make it fit. Just think, okay, I don't think that's God. Or maybe it's not for now, so I'm going to put it on a shelf and maybe it'd be for another time in my life. Fourth question, would others affirm the prophetic word? If, if God has spoken, particularly around themes of direction and guidance, and you're really wrestling, like, is that God? Because I don't know. Ask a couple of mates that know you super well. Hey, this was spoken over me. Like, does that ring true to what you observe God doing in my life? And if they're all like, 
duh, like, yes, like, that's so consistent with what God's doing. Then I would like seriously listen to that. And when you've gone through this discernment process, does it support scripture? Does it strengthen, courage, comfort? Does it fit where I'm at? Would others affirm? If the answer is yes, 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 and you think God is speaking, then you act in obedience. Like, if God is speaking and we're disobeying, then the life that he longs for us to experience, we're going to miss out on. But if he's speaking and we're saying yes and amen, we're going to follow your voice, this is the way, walk in it, then you can guarantee he's leading you to green pastures, still waters, where your soul is going to be refreshed, right? And this is why Paul would say, like, eagerly desire this gift, all the spiritual gifts, but especially the gift of prophecy. Amen.